are always much more higher and loftier and grander than we can ever imagine. Quite often, we try to comprehend God's thoughts concerning us with our thoughts. Our minds are finite in nature. And the finite mind tries to comprehend the infinite thoughts of God. And you know how hard it is. And so writing prophet Isaiah, God puts this, this is how he puts it, as the Lord says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. No comparison. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are high, higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, from earth with limited understanding, we try to comprehend God's Higher ways and higher thoughts. Praise God. And quite often, we are baffled, we cannot understand. Jeremiah, Jeremiah is writing and he says, To the people who are captive in Babylon. God speaks to, through him saying, Listen. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. It's thoughts of peace and not of evil. One day a friend of mine brought a postcard to me. And it was a very interesting postcard. His friend had mailed the postcard from Hawaii. Of course we were in New York. And it was... The month of January, and it was one of those years where we had blizzard after blizzard coming in. So my friend brought this postcard to me, showed me, and said, Look what my friend has sent to me. I looked at the card. It was a postcard, very interesting postcard. It had two pictures on it. One said, me, and the other said, you. Have you ever seen those postcards? It, it was coming from Hawaii. Me, his friend was in Hawaii. And so the picture was beautiful landscape, Hawaii with all its natural beauty. That was me. And the other side was you. And it showed like a man covered up with snow and it's snow all over the place. And my friend showed this to me and his hand was shaking like this. Do you believe this guy? I said, jokingly, of course. I realized what the card meant. And on the other side, he showed me the message. The message was, I am thinking about you. I was really rubbing it in. Yes, he was thinking about him. But what do you think his thoughts were concerning him? His thoughts, from the picture it said, Hey, I'm having fun here in Hawaii, and you are covered with snow. You are in misery. Sometimes people think about us, but not necessarily it's thoughts that are good. But God is telling his people, hey guys, I am thinking about you, but my thoughts concerning you is not of evil, but of peace. Praise God. Now we need to understand the background here. That's, the, that's very important that we understand. This is one of the most beautiful words in the scripture. People memorize it, people put it on the wall, people write it. And well, we often tend to overlook the context that this is written. And for that, we need to understand the pretext. 
This is a scenario. And I'm going to draw the scenario before you so that we understand why God is telling his people, guys, I am thinking about you, but my thoughts about you is not evil, okay? I'm thinking good and peaceful thoughts about you. As this mail or the letter is being read by the leaders who are in exile in Babylon, you need to understand what has transpired. God's people had occupied their possession. They had possessed their promise. And as they lived in the possession that God had given them, they forgot about their God. And they were disobedient. And God sent his prophet again and again and again and again. And reminded them that they were straying away from his path. And when that did not work. God gave them a warning saying that the Babylonians are coming. And as often as it is. The messenger who was bringing the message got shot. You know we heard that saying don't shoot the messenger quite often the messenger gets shot because he's not bringing in a kind of message that is acceptable to people when God sends a message it is to make us understand his will concerning us it is for us to embrace that message with the kind of change that God expects in us. And quite often we resist the message because it is calling us out of our lethargic state. It's calling us out of our disobedience. It's calling us out of our resistance to what God wants us to do. And so the people of God continue to do this to the man who was bringing the message to them. After warning them over and over and over again, God said, listen guys, I'm going to send the Babylonians. And God sent the Babylonians. Babylonians come and they invade Judah and they take men and women captives. They take the sacred objects from the temple. And with that exile, with that captivity, Daniel and his friends go. And we, we learned about it the other day. After that, eight years later, again, the Babylonians come. This time they attack them again, and again they take people captives. You would think people would learn, but a third time they come. So within a span of 19 years, they come three times and ransack Jerusalem. And if you were to study about the Babylonians, they were cruel and they were barbaric people. And they were very, they, their, their atrocities was unimaginable. These guys, they come and they ransack and they take and these people are in Babylon. In Babylon, false prophets comes up and they promise, give them promise that you guys are going to go back. You guys are going to be victorious, blah, blah, blah. And God speaks to Jeremiah saying, and Jeremiah puts it in writing and he lets them know that, hey guys, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. You are only going to come back after 70 years. Now you need to understand, okay? A people who are displaced from their homeland to a foreign land. From the place of familiarity, from the place that they called home, from a place where they exercised freedom, to bondage in captivity in a foreign land, in a pagan land. Bound. If you read Psalm 137, you can hear the, the cry of their heart. You know how the Psalm 137 goes? By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Here we wept when we remembered Zion. They that took us captive, they required us of our song. And then they say, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? That means their songs were stripped off 
and they were full of sobs now. And they said that they put their harps on the willow tree. They did not even have a song. It is to this people, God is saying, hey, listen, guys, you know, my, my thoughts, I'm thinking about you, and my, in my thinking, my thoughts are of peace, not of evil. Praise God. When we go through a roller coaster experiences in our lives, when the unexpected comes in our life, when our foundations are shaken, when our base is shaken, when everything that you thought that you had is being snatched away from you, when there is nothing ahead of you but nothing but darkness. And you read this words. For I know the thoughts that I think about you. Say the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. The first response of a normal average person would be resisting, rebelling and asking questions. Not when you're plagued with a lot of why, 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 why. God is saying, hey, I'm thinking peace about you, not evil. Praise God. Have you ever gone through seasons in our lives when our lives are shaken? All the good words people say don't mean anything. It doesn't help us. We try to understand what's going on. Here to those people, God is saying, hey, listen, I am thinking about you. Praise God. Do you know when people normally think about us when we are on their thoughts? And everything is fine, good. But when you're scraping the barrel, when your pockets are empty, when your bank balance is zero, when the creditors are running after you, hardly anybody thinks about you. I know someone during the height of COVID, Started helping people left and right financially. Whoever the person could think about started helping, thinking that they are in financial crisis, helping them. And so everybody was grateful except one person who responded by telling him, Hey, nobody thought about me. Thank you for thinking about me. So thinking about someone means not only having good thoughts about them, but backing them up. Here God backs them up with what? You know what? A promise. Praise God. God gives them a promise saying, listen guys, I am thinking about you and my thoughts concerning you. Even when you cannot comprehend in the depth of darkness, in the depth of misery, I am thinking about you and I'm thinking something good about you. Praise God. When your world is crumbling and collapsing, you hold on to the promises of God. God's promises are not hollow. God's promises are not shallow. God's promises are powerful because God, the person, stands behind that promise. When you embrace that promise, you are embracing the promise giver. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. What the Lord is saying. Of peace. 
What does that mean? What comes to your mind when God says peace? Peace. God saying, I'm going to change your situation. You know that canvas? It looks all dark. God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brush it with a hopeful word for you. Praise God. I'm going to turn things around. And so God gives them a promise to hold on to. But they will have to wait for that promise to become a reality. And that's what we heard last week. And that promise span of time was 70 years. That's a long time. That's more than a lifetime. So God tells them, he sends his word through his prophet saying, settle down, settle down, plant vineyards, get married. Multiply, raise up families, but I'm letting you know this is not going to be the end. Now I want you to come with me. You know what the Lord is telling them? Listen, I have nothing but peace for you, no evil. I want to give you an expected end. How many of you guys get thrilled? When you hear the word end, you need to understand what God is saying, right? He's saying an expected end. Praise God. Well, depending on what is ending, we can get excited or we can get all dismayed about it. But God is already saying, listen, it's not evil. It's not evil. It's not evil. You know God has an expected end for all of you. Including me. An expected end. So I want you to look at it. If you're going through a season of turmoil. He's saying that there is an end to it. If you are in captivity, if you are going through hardship, he's saying there is an end to it. Praise God. So in the context, what does the expected end mean? How does it relate to us? We need to understand this. Number one, the expected end in this context means... Elimination of idolatry from their life. Ha! What? Yes. Do you know what was the first commandment given to God's people? What was it? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. These guys were dabbling in idolatry. And God sent his messengers after messengers after messengers saying, hey guys, come out of it. This is not right. Nothing wrong. Because God's thoughts are higher and his ways are higher and loftier than us, his ways are also what? Out of this world. So in order to purge them out of idolatry. Come with me church. In order to get the idolatry out of their hearts. God tried a lot of things. They had kings like Hezekiah. Whom God used to usher a revival among them. There was a revival, but there were still people who were dabbling in idolatry. 
and the influence that took place, it spread among others. That's why God's people have to be very careful that we have to check. We have to check living, living among the people of God. Because the Bible says a little leaven, leaven at the whole batch of In other words, it is a small thing, a small sense of life that corrupt our life. Slowly takes over us. And it doesn't end with us. It has the potential to, to spread. Spread from one to two, two to three, three to four, four to five. Contamination. Praise God. And so the people of God who were enjoying the goodness of God. Instead of giving glory to God, they started giving glory to idols. And God sent his men saying, no, 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 reminded them. But hey, so God decided that he's going to do something. Because he loves his people. He decided that he's going to purge them and get rid of idolatry. So what does God do? Well, the good king tried. He did good, but people did not come back the way God wanted them to. God sent the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, and pulled the entire people to a land of idolatry. That's sad. God is loving. God is compassionate. God loves his people. And the exhibition of God's love is seen on the cross of Calvary. And God is also jealous. Jealous what? What means is this. It's like saying, John, you belong to me. And God will say, I will not part with you. We might let go of his hand, but he holds on to us. Praise God. He's a jealous God. And so when, when he employed so many methods it did not work, God employed a different method. And his method was the Babylonians came, invaded, and took them away to a pagan land. You read the minor prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk had lots of questions. And one of his questions was. How can you allow. Pagan Babylonians. To come and invade God's people. How, how could you. Habakkuk said I don't understand you. How could you do this. The instruments that God use us to use us and to make us are not the way that we think. So to pull out idolatry out of their hearts, God used a pagan king and moved his people to a pagan land. You want idols? Have it. When you understand the judgments of God, one way God judges his people is giving them what they keep on asking. That is a very, very fearful place to be. When you keep asking for something, after knowing that it is not the will of God. When you continue to dabble in sin. After knowing that it is against the word of God. When you continue in a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God. One of the ways that God senses judgment is 
Oh, is that what you want? You can go your way. That is very scary. Praise God. So first, expected end is God wanted idolatry out of them. Praise God. And so he had to employ methods. Praise God. That would make them realize how hard the hand of God could be. Praise God. The expected end. Number two. When God called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldeans. And when God called his people Israel out. One of the intentions and the purpose of God was. That his people will portray the glory of God. Will show the world who Yahweh is. God wanted the revelation of God to be revealed among people who were immersed and saturated in idolatry. As much as they were to keep themselves insulated, not isolated. As much as they were supposed to be separated, God wanted his glory and the knowledge of who God is to be revealed among others. Do you know that in Babylon, we see how God used his faithful ones to reveal to a place that was seeping with idolatry who the true and the living God is. He used the three Hebrew boys in the fire to reveal the fourth person in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar gets up and says, who is this fourth person in that fire? And he issues an edict saying, Listen, that's the true God. Wow. What God could not get his people done in their homeland, in their lazy boy, in their cozy, comfortable couch, when he changed the situation and put them in Babylon, they were able to present to the world there who true and the living God is. Do you know why sometimes God shakes our world? He shakes our world not because he gets a kick out of it. He shakes our world so that God's intended purpose concerning the glory of God will be revealed through our lives. There is anybody in this house who feels that your world is being shaken. Praise God. I want to assure you, he means no evil. He means only good. There is an expected end. Praise God. And within that expected end is the glory of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. When Daniel stands before Belsasar and interprets the writing on the wall, Belsasar realizes that the gods, that he was using the goblets, the vessels of the temple, and they were praising the gods of gold and silver. And he said that he realized that there is a God up in heaven who is in charge. Praise God. Hallelujah. When Daniel goes into the pit and he comes back, Darius says, now I know that there is a God. Praise God. And everybody should what acknowledge this God. Within our expected end, do you realize that God is expecting you and me to reveal the glory of God? 
Are you going through high and high waters? Are you going through a crisis in your life? Is the world looking at you and saying, you're done, man. You're done. This is it. No, I want you to look to the cross. If you feel you're, you're sinking and the world around you is issuing a dick saying, you are done. It's finished. It's kaput. It's gone. It's done. You're done deal. I want you to look at the cross. I want you to look at the cross. When an average person looks at the cross, looks at Mount Calvary, you see the rubble and the ruins. But out of the rubble and the ruins, you see it becomes a place of the glory of God that is being revealed. You look at the cross and you look at the crucifixion and you realize that it's a cradle of salvation. Praise God. You look at the tomb. And you see. It's, it seems as, as if that's the end. But that's where the resurrection takes place. Praise God. So don't let the world say to you. What the end is. You align yourself to God's formula of what is the expected end. Praise God. So you have a word from the Lord. God tells them, listen man, I'm thinking about you. My thoughts are of peace and not evil. Okay, Lord, you give me the promise. What am I supposed to do? Verse 12. Somebody read verse 12. Ah, look at this. A few years ago, in our church, one of our young men were going through a very a dry spell in his life. Nothing was working out for him. All the doors were closed for him. And he had no way out. It seems the pressure was building on him. One day as I was in prayer, I sent him a word. I sent him this verse. 29, 11, 12, 13, 14. I didn't get any reply from him. A couple of weeks later, oh, Pat's cross. I said, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm good. I said, I sent you a couple of verses. He said, I read. I said, and? Well, I like verse 11, but 12, 13, and I'm. I said the key to enter 11 is in 12 and 13. You want 11 to be a reality in your life? God takes you to the 12 and the 13. Praise God. He can take you through the 13 and 12 and show you 11. But he wants to draw your attention first. Capture your attention saying, listen, it's not as bleak as you think. There is a bright side to this. But to enter into that bright side, you need to do something. And so my brother, can you please read that again? You will call to me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. Read on, brother. You will seek me and find me. Amen. Listen. In other words, God is saying, listen. I want you to experience the expected end. I want you to experience the expected end. 
but for you to enter the room that says the expected end of the Lord concerning you, the key is 12 and 13. Daniel was a wise man. He read Jeremiah's notes and he realized, you know what he did? Man had a habit of kneeling down. He knelt down immediately and he started praying because he realized that, hey, you know, this, the expected end can happen anytime. What I need to do is what? I need to call upon him. So for you to tap into the provision of God's promises, God says the pathway that leads you into the provision of God's promise is pay prayer. When you read up to 14, you will understand that with the promise, he also gives you a spirit of prayer. A spirit of prayer so that you can pray it down. Praise God. Praise God. You will seek me and you will find me. Praise God. When you do it with, with all your heart. Praise God. A young disciple went to his master and said, Master, I want to experience God. I have this desire to experience God. What should I do? The master said, why don't you sit here and, and, and pray and meditate like I do? He did one day, two day, three day, nothing happened. The master said, Ned, tomorrow morning I'm going to go take a, shot, take, a, take a bath and I'm going to the, to the river. You can come with me. So the young disciple followed the master into the river. And the master, as he was taking bath, he, he dipped himself into the river and he came back. And he told his disciple, do what I'm doing. So the disciple looked at him carefully and when the master went down, he also went down and dipped himself into the water. When he was immersed all the way into the water, the master put his hand upon his neck and kept him submerged in the water. You know, after some time, what happens? After, some, after a few seconds, the guy started fighting and, and, and he started pushing and he started exerting pressure. He wanted to come up for air, but the master kept his strong hands on him, submerged in the water. And this guy started shaking and fighting and getting desperate. Finally, the master let him go. And the guy comes out. Took in a deep breath and looked at his master and says, are you crazy? The master said, no, I'm not crazy. You want God? He said, yes. He says, you need to get as desperate as you were under the water for air. Do you know what it means to be with all your heart? Yeah, we go through the motion of prayer and this and that and all so many religious activities. But how much of our heart is in it is what God does. God looks. It's not what I said. It's not how what I prayed. It's not what I did. How much of your heart is immersed in what you are involved in? When you are praying, how much of your heart is craving? God says, I want it all. He says, I want it all. You're going to seek me and you're going to find me. But when you do it with what? All your heart. So I'm sitting for prayer. And I mumble one word. And I mumble two words. And my phone goes, brrr, brrr. 
My mind is captured. And slowly my hand goes, looks at the WhatsApp message. It's a video, guys. And you know, videos are always interesting or funny or informative. I mean, my God, what is this, right? What a world we live in. And so, Lord, hold on. I'm coming. Hold that thought. You know what I was telling you? Hold that. I looked at the video and, ah, oh, my. And then I have now the next temptation. What's the next temptation? Forward it. Share it. So I'm taken from where? Oh, my God. Do you know how many times I confess to the Lord? Do you know how many times I confess to the Lord? There are also times when I threw my phone away. But then I had to go and retrieve it. <laughs> Do you know what's happening? You're being snatched away from the throne room of God. Oh my God, God is so gracious to us. So long suffering. You know, if we were in position and, and, and people were to come to us and start doing what we do, you know, we would have fired them so many times. From the throne room of God, in an audience with the Lord of Lord, we are yanked away from silly things, drawn away, caught away, caught in a web, snatched from the presence of God. And I think Satan's having a good laugh and saying, it doesn't take too much to get you out, does it? God. So that's why the Lord is saying what? You will find me when you seek me with what? All your. So when we come in the presence of God, we need to ask ourselves, Lord, is all of my heart here? Or my body is here and my mind is floating somewhere around. And you know that the, the message that has so powerful that it can, it can just transform you and take you to Africa, to India, to wherever that world is. Ukraine and we can justify saying all oh, the people in Ukraine are suffering. All oh, the people, the victims in the earthquake. I am after all looking for the, looking about the, reading about the earthquake victims. No. Praise God. All of our heart. This, this, this afternoon, we need to ask ourselves, Lord, am I seeking you with all my heart? And the Lord says, I'm giving you the key that's going to bring in the expected end. Are you praying for an end to the misery that you're experiencing? Are you praying for the end to the trial that you're going through? Are you praying for an end of the hardship that you're going through? Are you praying for the end of the crisis that you're going through? The Lord says, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Praise God. And God has an incubation time for all of us. An incubation time. In other words, whatever you are going through this morning, there is a time frame to it. And you can come out of it when God's purpose concerning you is fulfilled. Praise God. He ain't going to let you stay there forever. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So don't remain passive. Be active. Inactive in what? Go into the throne room of God. Like Daniel. As the Lord. To intervene and fulfill that purpose. The expected end to come. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. My dear brother, my sister. Are you being held captive in Babylon? Mm. 
Are you feeling that you are going through a treading through a foreign land? Perhaps wondering what's happening to your job, your marriage, your life. Trying to understand what in the world is happening. Praise God. The one who spoke peace to the people who rebelled and forgot him wants to speak peace upon your life. What peace? He wants to bring in wholesomeness. He wants to bring in spiritual upliftment. He wants to bring you out of where you are into his presence. Praise God. Hallelujah. He wants to bring in his expected end. Not everyone else's expected end concerning you. But his expected end concerning you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Maybe right now you are not able to see what God is doing in the background. But you can be assured from the scripture that his thoughts are far higher than your thoughts. His ways are loftier than your ways because he wants to bring you to that expected end. And do you know what is the expected end? Within the expected end, what else is there? Of course, we want an end to all the issues that we are facing. But above and beyond all of it, the expected end means he wants to bring us to himself. The expected end means God wants you and me in his presence, seeking his face. Looking at him, adoring him, giving him 100% of our Would you open your heart and tell him, Lord, I always kept some to myself. I always made some provision for flesh. That's quoting what, what Paul says. Always there was that back room, Lord, I kept to myself. But today, in the light of what you are saying, you have an expected end. And within that expected end is ushering me into your presence and me coming to a place where I enjoy you more than anything else. Praise God. All eyes closed. A moment before him. Whatever you are going through today. Try to understand what God is trying to do in your life. God has yanked you out of your comfort zone because he wants you to experience him in a way that you have never experienced before. He wants to purge you out of everything that has a hold on your life. He wants his glory to be revealed through your life. Would you let him do that in your life? Would you tell him, Lord, you want me to sing your song in a strange land? I'll do it. Will you tell him I'll bring that harp down and I'll make music to the Lord? 
Not only when I am on the stage, but in my loneliness, when all by myself, when I feel and experience everything around me falling apart, I will pick up that instrument and I will say, Lord, I will bless you at all times and your praise shall be continually be in my mouth. Lord, I'll say, I will pray and I'll seek you with all my heart. Praise God. Because I know that your expected end is much, much, much brighter than what I envision. You know how Paul puts it? Paul says, He who has begun a good work in you. Praise God. Lord, you began a good work in me, but I strayed away. He says, he's not only the initiator of good works, he will enable you to sustain and he will fulfill his divine purpose for you. Praise God. What does it take from us today? We need to respond to God's word. And as we sing, we are going to rise up before the Lord. As we are going to sing, we're going to respond with our heart. Not with your eyes, not with your hands, not you moving out, but with your heart. I can't see your heart, but God does. You respond to him with your heart. And you tell him, Lord, here's my heart. I want to seek you with all my heart.